Good morning, friends. Good to worship with you here at WPC this morning. Today we we are in week two of two in our um, little mini sermon series that um, I titled, for lack of a better term, Problematic Prayers, or prayers that may not help us advance in our relationship with God like we think they will. Last week we talked about the prayer for more, prayer for more faith to understand the craziness of this world. Today we'll we'll, um, approach another kind of prayer that's a little problematic in the Christian life. In our first lesson today, we heard the story of Naaman being cleansed of leprosy by Elisha in the the River Jordan. In our second lesson, we, we pick up right where we left off in Luke's Gospel last week as Jesus, on his way to Jerusalem, is approached by ten lepers. These texts, the first and second reading today, share two themes I want us to be sure that we see this connection in. The theme of uh, leprosy and the healing thereof, but also the healing of an outsider, or as Jesus calls him, a foreigner. Friends, I invite you to listen now with open hearts and minds as we encounter God's word together from the 17th chapter of Luke's gospel, beginning with the 11th verse. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was going through the region between Samaria and Galilee. As he entered a village, ten lepers approached him. Keeping their distance, they called out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were made clean. Then one of them, when they saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice. He prostrated himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Then Jesus asked, were not ten made clean? But the other nine, where are they? Was none of them found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Something beyond the scope of generations that seems to be consistent in parenting is the responsibility of parents to teach their children manners. In particular, the importance of saying please and thank you. Something that we all try to um, kind of cultivate within our children so it becomes their natural response to when asking for something to say please, and when someone does something for you, you're grateful for someone to turn to them and simply say thank you. It's simple manners that we all try to teach that that are vital to our culture and society. In our lesson this morning, Jesus again stresses the importance, but also the power present in simply saying thanks. Jesus and his disciples are en route to Jerusalem, traveling in the land between Galilee, that's Jewish territory, and Samaria. It's important to note that relations between Jews and Samaritans in the first century were at best troubled and at worst violent. This land in between was sort of no man's land. It was a border region between the two um, territories. 
When Luke's original audience hears these opening words of our lesson today, they intuitively know that Jesus has entered a sort of no man's land. They may even have that chill in their spine we feel when we think about something we fear. Kind of appropriate as we're getting closer to Halloween, right? Neither Jews nor Samaritans felt safe in this space, so it was not a desired place to be, certainly not one to live. The only folks who lived there were outcasts, those not allowed to live with the rest of society. This brings us, of course, to the ten lepers we meet in the Bible today, in our lesson. Leprosy in the Bible really refers to any kind of skin disease that people believe could be contagious, whether or not it actually was. As such, people with leprosy, or you could just say a skin condition, were to be quarantined and removed from society. In Jewish culture, they could only rejoin society once a priest had deemed them cured and they made the appropriate ritual sacrifice. But until then, they were not allowed to live with the rest of society. Hence why these ten lepers come across Jesus in no man's land. The ten lepers socially distance themselves, did you notice that, from Jesus and his followers? But they do call out to Jesus to heal them. Jesus tells them to go show themselves to the priests, the people that need to deem them clean, to rejoin society. And as they turn from Jesus to go to the priests, they were made clean. Here we see Jesus engage those in society that we so often avoid. He engages those we often pretend don't even exist, even to the point of making them live in this dangerous, desolate no-man's land. Jesus disregards the cleanliness standards of his Jewish heritage and also the societal boundaries by engaging both Jews and Samaritans alike. This odd story of Jesus healing these these ten folks in the borderlands of Galilee and Samaria beckons us to identify the lepers, the people living in no man's land in our midst, that we might find ways to bring healing and transformation to them. Who are those in our midst that are excluded from society for one reason or another? And how are we called to reach out to them in whatever we might call no man's land today. I think the troubling nature of this story doesn't just rest in identifying the outcasts in our midst, though. It seems to me that the response of the ten shows us a troubling reality in the life of faith today. Jesus, like Elisha before him, gives the ten instructions to be healed to turn and go to the priests and be pronounced clean. At this point, all ten listen to him, and they turn and go back to the priests as they're made clean. It's as if they realize that their plan had worked, the ten, that is. Their faith in this traveling rabbi healed them, and now they can go on their way and with the rest of their lives. The danger here, friends, is the same one we faced in our lesson last week, if you remember. You remember? The apostles plead to Jesus to increase our faith, hoping more will give them the power and the ability to avoid all misfortune. 
Here the lepers ask for their problem to be fixed, and as it is, they go on their way. Now, healing in the gospel is more than just the physical bodily healing. It's twofold. There's the bodily healing you see in Jesus restoring sight to the blind, stopping hemorrhaging, making a paralytic person walk, and so on. But there's also the spiritual healing, the transformation at work, the healing that allows them to draw closer in relationship with God, but also with their community. To Jesus, this second side, this spiritual side of healing is just as important as the bodily one. The story seems like it's going to end at this point, doesn't it? Jesus heals the ten, and they go on their way to be deemed clean and healed by the priests. So often in the Christian life, our prayers are pleading with God as content with ending here too. Ending in simply what we might get out of it. In the midst of trouble or confusion, we ask for help, and just for help. Forgetting about the opportunity in this crisis for us to draw closer to God and to one another in community. Thankfully, the story doesn't end here, friends. After the ten are healed and turned to go be deemed um, healed and whole by the priest, one of them is overcome with gratitude, and he turns back yet again to give thanks. He prostrates himself at Jesus' feet. He falls on his hands and knees while the other nine go away. As I said in the beginning with teaching children about saying please and thank you, it seems like this is what Jesus is getting at at first glance, doesn't it? The importance of just simply saying thank you. It seems like he's scolding the other nine as the story goes on, just like a frustrated parent reminding their child for the umpteenth time to say please and thank you. But thankfully, friends, there's something much deeper going on here. For one, Luke is sure to identify this man as a Samaritan. This is a common theme throughout the gospel, particularly in Luke, that the least likely in the community is the one who best understands what God is up to in Jesus. Jesus responds to the Samaritan's gratitude with these words, your faith has made you well. As I said before, these two are also possibly problematic words. At first glance, it seems like Jesus is amening what the prosperity gospel preachers all claim, that having enough faith can get you anything you want, more money to be ridded of any disease or suffering or heartache. But Jesus' words are by no means condoning this understanding of faith and healing. Remember from earlier in the gospel, there are two understandings of healing. There's the bodily side of it, of physical healing, but there's also the spiritual side of transformation. All ten receive the physical healing, but only the Samaritan who turned back experienced this spiritual healing, this, this transformation, allowing him to draw closer to God through his act of gratitude. Jesus' word to the Samaritan man are not echoing the prosperity gospel of whether or not you have enough faith. But rather what Jesus says is your faith has been lived out in gratitude. 
I particularly like the way scholar Kim Bracken Long understands these words of Jesus. She said that they become a description of a life of blessing for the church. As we go on our way, we rejoice and give thanks. For in giving thanks in all things, we find that God indeed is in all things. Friends, the Samaritan man, the one we least or we expect is least likely to get it, is the one who models the Christian life of gratitude as a response to God's grace. This really continues where we left off last week. The other nine have the apostles' understanding of faith, an understanding that's meant to help them get the things they need. The Samaritan not only experiences a bodily transformation and being physically healed, but this spiritual one as well. And as is often the case, spiritual transformation takes the form of gratitude. Jesus' encounter with the ten and the one Samaritan who turns back to give thanks beckons us to think about the role gratitude plays in our lives. How do we express our gratitude to God? How do we turn back and give thanks to God for the blessings we experience, for the blessings we receive? Now, a quick cautionary note here. I don't want us hearing this and thinking that God needs our thanks and praise. Jesus isn't teaching his followers to say thank you for his own benefit, for God's own benefit, but rather for ours. Expressing gratitude to God makes us aware of God's presence, God's goodness in life. Like Kim Long says, that in giving thanks for all things, For giving thanks to God in all things, we find that indeed God is in all things. This mindset, this attitude, through this, we're able to see everything we have, everything we experience, everyone in our lives as a gift from God. This includes gratitude to God, but also gratitude for others as well. This mindset, this, this, this way of being of thankfulness and gratitude is not just about expressing thanks to God, but thanks for one another as well. Early in my ministry, a mentor told me a vital ministry tip. It wasn't any kind of exegetical or biblical interpretation method. It wasn't any kind of preaching format or way of structuring a church or a way of, of uh, running a meeting or anything like that. It was the utter importance of writing thank you notes. When you write a thank you note, you're able to express your gratitude for that person, your gratitude to God for that person. You're able to see what that person did, that ministry that that person participated in, that act of kindness they extended to you as a gift from God, and you're able to say thank you, not just to God, but to that person as well. One of my most sacred ministry practices, friends, is this, this practice of writing thank you notes. And I, I'll admit I need to keep getting better at it. I need to write more and more of them. But my favorite ones to do are always to our outgoing elders on session. That's something I take a bit of time to do as I, I find a way to thank the person for their ministry here among us, for the time, the talent, 
the energy and passion that they put into Christ Church here as, as um, a member of our session. It's no surprise that gratitude has become a huge buzzword uh, today. And it's increasingly utilized by mental health professionals and, and people in the mindfulness space. The act of gratitude is freeing. It's empowering to the person to, who's expressing it. And like I said earlier, it's transformational. It reframes what's going on in our lives and the world to see the good and simply respond by saying thanks. It helps to make us grateful people in general, to remember and thank others for the impact they have on our lives, to say that you changed something in my life, that you mean something to me. Friends, may we never forget that whether we're saying it to God or to another person, Saying thank you is a sacred, holy act. May we go out into the world, friends, to live lives of gratitude, seeking out the outcasts even into the dangerous territories. And like the Samaritan, may we always remember to turn back and give thanks to God and to one another in all things. Amen.